please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We are continuing a series on spiritual warfare, and we are up to the sword of the Spirit. And we are looking at Ephesians 6 and verse 17. I will not read all the other verses in Ephesians because I will preach on them. And uh, (laughs) I don't want to do that right now. So, (laughs) You know, when you're just so full of revelation, everything comes alive. And so I have to limit myself to what we're doing today. Ephesians chapter 6, I want to look at verse 17 because that's where we're up to now. The Apostle Paul says, And take... The sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word or the rhema of God. We began this last week. We began talking about this. And I'd like to begin with something that John MacArthur said that we looked at last week, but it might be a good place to pick up. He explained that the term Paul uses here for word is not logos, which refers to general statements or messages, but rhema, which refers to individual words or particular statements. I want you to get that. There are individual words or particular statements. So it's not just the whole Word of God in its entirety. It is about specific things from the Word that you need. This is a problem that we have. Because we are limited in what we know, a lot of times people, you know, when they need God, they get religious instead of specific. So if they're having an illness... You know, they might say, oh, well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want wrong scripture. You need Isaiah 53. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and by His wounds we are healed. Amen? See what I'm trying to say? It is important that we get a specific word. Amen? Let me continue. The Apostle Paul is therefore not talking here about general knowledge of Scripture, but is emphasizing the precision that comes by knowledge and understanding of specific truths. Now this tells us that what is important isn't how much of the Bible you read, listen very carefully now, but how much you meditate on. You don't need a whole lot of Scripture just washing past you. You need to settle in on something. You need the deep pools of a certain Scripture that gives you insight, that gives you power. Because Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us that the Word of God is quick and it's powerful. Amen? It is only quick and powerful when it is in your heart coming out of your mouth. Otherwise, it's just words on a page. Amen. See, that's why it's so comedic sometimes, you know, when you see some of these... Now I'm using a film, okay? You see some of these films, and then this is a devil coming at somebody, and they grab their Bible, and they hold it in front of them. And the devil doesn't... This is just a book. Like, this is going to do anything. And then, you know, and the inference is that this stuff doesn't work. Do you hear what I just said? This is a religious response when you take your Bible and hold it in front of you. Dude, the Bible in front of you isn't going to do anything. The Bible in you will do something. Amen? It is when it becomes real to you that it has the power to do what it's meant to do. In the New Testament, we talked about this before as well, but this was the last statement I made last week. In the New Testament, the Greek word carries the idea of a quickened word, such as a word of Scripture or a word from the Lord that the Holy Spirit supernaturally drops into your heart, which doesn't happen if you're not praying and if you're not meditating, if you're not paying attention. 
Amen? And he goes on to say, causing it to come alive. Did you get that? And imparts supernatural strength to the believer. So the word comes alive and that life comes into you. You see, that's the interesting thing about the word. When it comes alive, you come alive. You can't have a word alive in you and you're still ragdolling around. You know, it's ragdolling and I just like, mm, okay, all right. <laughs> that, that doesn't work. When the word comes alive in you, you come alive. It is a part of the power that is inherent in it that you begin to benefit from. Because you're the vessel. Amen. No point having a strong word and a weak vessel. Get what I'm saying now? This is the reason why we need to spend time in the Word and become strong in that anointing so that when God's trying to use you, you're not falling all over the place. <laughs> Amen? Remember, I still remember, went to this meeting and uh, this minister was praying over people and everybody he touched just dropped like flies. I mean, you know, got to me and oh, I'm still there. And somebody else went with me from our church. They're still standing. Do you know why they're used to that anointing? They are used to standing in the presence of God and not just dropping on the floor. Everybody else is rolling around and making noises. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to say, amen. And I'm just like, okay. And he looked at me. <laughs> he must have known that we're from the same church. He goes, where are you from? And he was curious. You know, and he said, I feel something very strong here. I said, yeah, watch out, you don't fall. No, <laughs> no, I didn't think that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Anyway, but the whole point is, we need to learn to be strong in the Lord and allow that strength and that might to work when His Word is coming out of us. Amen? And we need to be dispensers of that power, that glory, that anointing, whatever is needed at the time. And not go weak in the knees and fall and, and, and God's going, oh, bring another one. This one dropped out. Amen. Okay. Added to this now, Peter T. O'Brien says that the Spirit makes the Word even more powerful and effective. This is why it's so important that we pray in the Spirit. Do you understand? That's one of the things that really empowers the Word. That just brings it more alive and more powerful. So that as you begin to speak it, things happen. Amen? And so here he says again, The Spirit makes the Word even more powerful and effective, giving it its cutting edge. And specifically, the actual speaking forth of the message, which is given its penetration and power by the Spirit. Therefore, when the Apostle Paul says to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, he is referring to the Holy Spirit's ability to make a Word vividly come alive in our heart, and mind at a moment of need. Let me say this to you. If you don't put the word in when you don't need it, it won't be there when you do. You see, you need time to let that grow in you. If you don't have the revelation before the problem, it's very hard to get the revelation after the problem. You can go to the word. But you know, Jesus, when, when he was being attacked and tempted in the desert by the devil, remember that? He didn't say, uh, hang on a second, let me go check the Torah. <laughs> Give me f- a few hours, I'll be back. Yeah. You know, I need to fast and pray here for a minute and I'll come back to you. <laughs> that does not work. 
Sweetheart, all of that stuff should have been done before. You need to know the word. When you're in the battle, it's not when you go looking for your sword. You already need to have it well in hand. Know how to use it. Amen? And remember again, I said, you know, a lot of people see the sword just as a weapon, an offensive weapon, but it's not offensive only. Remember that you use your sword to defend against other attacks. Not just your shield, but you use your sword as well. Because sometimes it's not just faith that you need, but it is also written. Okay, you don't just need your shield of faith that, okay, I don't get this, but I'm just trusting God. You, you need to be able to say, yeah, you're quoting scripture, but you're quoting it out of context. This is what the Bible actually says. Okay, we'll look at that anyway. We will look at all of that. Alright, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. <laughs> Furthermore, we must also never forget that this sword is not just a physical weapon designed by human minds or forged by human hands, but a perfect spiritual weapon of divine origin and power. Can I say that again? You need to hear this, okay? This sword is not a physical weapon designed by human minds or forged by human hands. This isn't something that is man thought up and man made. This isn't either of those things. Amen? Notice he says, it is a perfect spiritual weapon. A perfect spiritual weapon. The problem that we have a lot of times is we don't think it's that perfect. We need to understand that if we apply the sword, it will work. Do you get it? Okay. We will talk about more of that later as well. It is a perfect spiritual weapon of divine origin and divine power. Divine origin means God is the one that originated this weapon. And it is God's power that is on this weapon. So we need to understand that what we've been given and what we've been asked to take is something that will never fail. So how come it doesn't work sometimes? Because we're not using it right. And we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. Amen? That's why it says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 16. Let's have a look there. Talking about Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, He held seven stars in His right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from His mouth. When He speaks... Remember now we understand the significance of a two-edged sword. Remember we talked about all the different swords? Alright, the most lethal one was the one that was sharp on both sides. Okay? Because it did damage on both sides going in, and all the stuff that you did, and you know, on the way out, and all that. We won't get into all the gory details. But, okay, it was devastating. And we need to understand, and if Paul used that as an example... He wants to let us know that this thing can inflict some incredible damage if we know how to use it. And if we do use it, and if we have faith in it. We see this sharp two-edged sword in action several places. I want to begin in Matthew chapter 8. Beginning in verse 5. Matthew chapter 8, and we'll be reading through to verse 13. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant, lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. So he was in a very bad way. 
Alright, so this wasn't just a little fever. Okay, he's feeling a little unwell, a little under the weather. (laughs) Why am I saying this? You need to get this. He was grievously tormented. Can we get a picture? I mean, this guy was in serious trouble. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Now, this is interesting. This is a Roman centurion. He's a Roman. Who knows what gods he used to worship before? Okay. And he's a centurion. Guy has killed a lot of guys in his life. No, no, okay. This is not, you know, this isn't one of those nice Romans. Okay, this, he's, a, he's a Roman centurion, which means he was involved in warfare, taking off cities and towns and whatever else. This is a Roman centurion. So I want you to understand that this Roman centurion to the Jews is like, oh, it's an unclean thing. Remember, he would only worship in the court of the Gentiles. You know where the cows and everything were? Remember where Jesus went and just cleared out the temple and said, what is going on here? This is meant to be a house of worship, not just a few rooms of worship. The whole house was meant to be a place of worship, not part for business and part for worship. Amen. That's another revelation. Anyway, one revelation at a time. Back to this. Okay, so, but you understand that God saw everybody important. While the Jews saw otherwise, God never did. I'll prove that to you in just a moment, just in what this story is going to tell. Because a lot of people miss the bit. They always jump from a certain verse to another verse because they just want to say, and Jesus said this, and the Romans said this, and then the guy was healed. But something else is going to go on here. The reason I'm bringing this out to you is because you're like the Roman centurion. Who's a Jew in here? Nobody Jew. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you're a Jew, hallelujah. I'm just saying that you're generally where we ain't. Okay, <laughs> so we're in the Roman centurion's shoes, aren't we? Okay, we, we may not have had a wonderful past, all right, but we believe God. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, oh, a Roman centurion, sinner, dog. No, <laughs> okay, I mean, he said that to a woman. <laughs> anyway, okay, remember the woman that came and said, you know, my daughter and all that stuff. And he was doing something there, he wasn't disrespecting her. There was something else going on. Not many people see what actually happened there. When we get to that, we will discuss it. Alright? And so I want you to understand, this Roman centurion has come to Jesus. But notice what he is doing. He's not coming for himself. He's coming for someone else. My servant. So Jesus straight away knows that this man is a compassionate man. He cares about the people that are working under him. It's not just a, oh, it's sick, get rid of it and bring me another one. So one of the things that are important to get God's attention, you need to care. More than just about yourself. And anyway, he says, and Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Verse 8, the Roman centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Wow. You know, normally it would be, yes, yes, come along, come along. And hurry up, please. This is another problem that we have. We don't have humility. It's almost like we're doing God a favor that He heals us and He looks after us and does good things for us. Notice again, He says, I am not worthy that you, thou should come under my roof. Now watch this. But speak the word only, 
and my servant shall be healed. Can you see that he has just used the sword of the Spirit? That's it. That's the sword of the Spirit. Speak the word only. You don't have to come there. Just say it. And my servant shall be healed. Not this. I really hope this works. And if it doesn't, then could you come to my house? Jesus said, you know what? Don't bother. I'll just, let's just go, man. <laughs> Amen. Watch the sword. Don't bother coming. Speak the word only. My servant shall be healed. Shall be healed. I don't need to see it. I just know once you speak it, it's done. I don't care what it looks like. As far as I'm concerned, it's done. If we don't catch that, we don't understand what's going to happen next. Alright. Now he explains why he has so much faith. He says, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. Now listen carefully to what he is saying. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. They don't sit and argue with him. When he says go, they don't go, how far? And do I get bus money? You know, chariot money, whatever. Okay. <laughs> you know? okay. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and is it dangerous? And is it at night? He don't know, no questions. When he says go, they go, uh-huh, and they go. He says come, they don't go, oh, I just sat down. Can you ask Ralph over here? You know, he's been sitting for a lot, much longer than uh, No. When he says, come, they come. Interesting, isn't it? Okay. As he speaks, things happen. Whatever he says, that happens. If he says, come, they're not going to go. If he says, go, they're not going to come. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Don't think when you're binding, it's getting loosed. Amen? Whatever you loose, is loosed. It's not trying to get loose. There are revelations to be had in that. Anyway, let's move on. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. To my servant, do this, and he does it. Which means, they know their position. They are serving me. And he says, I understand the way I have authority over people, you have authority over a kingdom that we cannot see. You have authority over things that we don't even have answers for. Just like I can command people to come, to go, to do whatever I want them to do. When you open your mouth and you say, peace be still, the waters calm down. When you say, rise, the dead come up. I mean, when you speak, stuff happens. I get that. I do it, but not like you. When Jesus heard it, He marveled and said to them that followed, Verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, so great faith. No, not in Israel, among all the men to be believers. See, Israel isn't Israel. Israel was the church at the time. He's saying, this guy, outside of this religious institution, has more faith than everybody in it. He said, I haven't seen faith like this. You know, every time I do something, in here they're going, Woo, wow, look what he just did, that's amazing. 
They can't even get their mind around stuff that I'm doing. And this one comes and says, I get it. Ruler of the synagogue comes and says, Come home and lay hands and then she'll be healed. Ruler of the synagogue. Remember? You know, then the woman, they show blood, messes it all up a bit. Okay. <laughs> all right. But this Roman centurion. Get this? Ruler of the synagogue? Roman centurion. Heathen dog, no. <laughs> okay, this guy that is outside, the, so you know, outside of all this religious activity, he stands there and he knows more about faith than all of them put together. So watch Jesus' response. Verse 11. And I say unto you, everybody thinks Jesus skipped a groove here and then he's going to come back. He didn't. He, okay, he is about to explain something that is going on right now here in this church. Listen carefully. This is talking about you. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west. These are all non-Jewish individuals like this Roman centurion. And shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. And Abraham isn't going to say, you Jewish, get away from me. Because it's the faith of Abraham that made Abraham anything. Not the Jewishness. Amen. (laughs) You need to get this. So Abraham is looking for children of faith. He says, oh, you believe? You did that? Well, come sit next to me. Let's talk more about that. And the person that comes and says, "Uh, Father Abraham, I'm Jewish. He goes, so what? And... Uh, but that's enough, isn't it? No. Go away. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> Hello. This is what the religious leaders are going to bank on getting them to heaven. That they're Jews, they're children of Abraham. I mean, Abraham will look at them and go, are you, I'm disowning all of you. Seriously. In fact, that's exactly what is happening because Jesus says you're going to be in hell looking up. In fact, wait, it's all here. Let's not get ahead. It's, it's right here. Let's, let's move on. And, <laughs> and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, okay, referring to all the rebellious Jews now, shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? Because they thought... Because they're part of this family, they're getting in, regardless of what they do. I mean, after all, they were in the Holy of Holies. That's just a Gentile in the Gentile court. And Jesus is saying, you know, all you guys in the Holy of Holies, you're going to be in hell. This little guy out in the Gentile court with the cows and everybody else is going to be in heaven next to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You know why they're gnashing their teeth? Because they're mad. How dare... Some little Gentile sit next to my father Abraham. The weeping is sad as the gnashing of teeth is madness. Okay? Uh, it rhymes. Okay. And Jesus, verse 13, now you get this. And Jesus then said unto the centurion, Go thy way. As thou hast believed, as thou hast believed, Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. There it is. There is the next sword. The first one came out of the Roman centurion's mouth. Jesus confirmed that word with signs that are going to follow. 
Amen? And it says, and his servant was healed in the self-same hour. How do we know? He didn't know that. His cell phone didn't suddenly ring. He didn't get a text to say, are you with Jesus? Something happened. And he says, oh, hang on a second, Jesus. I need to text back. Smiley face, smiley face. Smiley. No. <laughs> Get, <laughs> Get what I'm saying? Right? He, this was by faith. We only know the end of the story because after he went home, they would have said, what time did you meet with Jesus? See, the self-same hour. Do you know why it's an hour? Because they, that's about how they could tell time. They couldn't say uh, at uh, 3 past 4 and 30 seconds. Could they tell time like that? Then the servant would have said at 3 past 4 and 40 seconds, the guy was up. Okay, they don't, okay, self, same hour. Okay, they say about what time? It's around 3-ish. Okay, well, that's about the time the guy got up. Amen? Amen. All right. Added to this, when we go into verse 16, in Matthew chapter 8, and it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Listen, and he cast out the spirits with a word. And healed all who were sick. That's the sword coming out again. Amen? With a word. Notice he didn't read them the whole Torah. He didn't say, now sit down demon possessed person. I'm going to start reading the books of Moses. Yeah, I mean, something might have happened. He got bored and went to sleep. But nothing would have come out. <laughs> Amen? Especially when you get the numbers, man. You know, unless you have pictures. It's very hard to read. Okay? You need pictures for numbers. Alright. But I want you to realize how this word, the, the, the sharp two-edged sword that comes out of his mouth, is that sword that goes in and removes demons. It removes sickness. Amen? Now we see more examples of this when it says, Then he rose and rebuked the wind. Remember in Mark chapter 4, when there was a storm, and it says that he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Mark 4.39, Peace, be still. A sword went out. Amen? And nature backed off. So we see sickness backing off, demons backing off, nature being subdued. Everything just comes to line. This word does everything. This word, when meditated upon and becomes a sword, will do anything. But each word is a different sword. So you need to make sure, now, just for visual reasons, can I use colors? Okay, let's say all the healing scriptures are all your red swords. Okay, usually, you know, in medical things they have a little red thing on them. Okay, red cross, you know. Okay, all right. I know there's a blue cross, don't go there. Anyway, okay. <laughs> but let's just say those are all, so if your armory is only full of red swords, and say finances is blue, just argument's sake. And you have no blue swords. It means that you have an armory full of swords. If ever there is sickness or disease, you have all kinds of weapons to defeat that. But you can't get yourself across town on a bus. Because the healing scripture doesn't work on the bus. Unless the bus breaks down. And you, no. <laughs> okay? But you know what I'm trying to say. Okay? What we need to do is have swords of all the different colors. You know, the green where He provides all of my needs. Okay, food and everything else. We need the swords of peace. When there's turmoil, 
You got a couple of those swords in your armory. Make sure that your armory is full of all the different colors, all the different swords that you have needed, not just one that you like. Because your favorite scripture may not work for a situation that you get into. Amen? So you need to make sure that you take time to develop your armory. Find words, meditate on them. Find a word, meditate on it. It's okay, that's my blue sword. Now I got a red one. Now what else do I need? Oh, I need a gold one. That's a gold one. I'll take that one. Okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, gold sword. Okay, and, <laughs> yeah. And then it's go. I want two gold swords. Okay, we are more than conquerors through Christ. Okay, yeah, we'll take two of those. That's 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 always good to have around. You know, make him shine. And yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. I, I'm making a little fun out of this, but I want you to get this. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. This Bible is full of swords, but they are no use inside its pages. They only become something workable inside your heart. Once it's in there, then as you speak out, things start to work. Now, do you understand what I've just told you? You can't take a healing sword and use it on the elements. So you need to develop swords that will take care of winds and storms and everything else. That's a different sword. Hmm? And th- so you can't just say, just because I have faith, everything is going to work. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. A specific word will give you specific faith for a specific problem. Do you get that? Now some swords are kind of like broad swords. You know, you can, you can hammer them on a few different places and you can kind of cover a few different things. But still good to have a few daggers up your sleeve just for those occasions. Amen? If you got that, you got that. Okay. Here's one more sword in Mark eleven fourteen. Remember when the fig tree wasn't doing its thing? Jesus turned around and said, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. Amen? And then we find in verse 20, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So there was another sword. This was to do with plant life. There are different swords, family. You need to get this revelation. After a while, you'll have so much, it won't matter. You can be able to look at anything and go, not a problem, I'll take care of that. Because something very interesting happens. As you start to accumulate swords, the more swords you get, the more faith you're getting. Alright? And so you expect anything to work from the Bible. You'll be surprised if it doesn't work. So it's almost like if you find a verse... See, this is why there are some people, when they go, I found a verse! And you think, big deal, I saw that verse three years ago. Ain't doing nothing for me. No, no, no. See, they're at a place of faith, where if they find a verse, that's a sword straight away. They don't, have, they don't need that much time developing the thing. They've got so much faith, they just need a few words now. Give me something else to say! My mom was a little bit like that. I never understood when she said, I have all the faith. I said, well, then why isn't it working? She had faith, but no words. So when I pointed her to the words, the word, boy, she just attached her faith to it and things started happening. And I just went, say what? What just happened there? <laughs> she said, I told you I had all faith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mother, you know. Yeah, yeah, you told me, you told me. Okay, okay. But she was in a place where there wasn't a problem about believing. She just didn't know what to believe. <laughs> you know? She believed, but she didn't know what she was believing. 
And the more words I gave her, the more scriptures I showed her. Oh boy, I tell you, that army just started filling up. And uh, so some of the things that, some of the stories that she tells about her work and all the things, that, it was demonic what was going there. And she took her sword and she cleared the place out. Did such a great job that when they left, they gave her more money she, than she should have got. They threw over a huge party. They said publicly to her, because of you, this company is what it is now. Because all those unsavory elements were removed, exposed and removed. Amen. Boy, she knew. This is what happens once you faith gets to a certain level. All you need to do is find a word. <laughs> and you go, Woohoo! Got another one! And the devil goes, Oh no, saw that scripture. Oh, we're in trouble now. Because there's an expectation that just is overwhelming and overrides anything that comes at them. I have to leave you with this, okay? I, I need a few more minutes. Just keep it going. Do whatever you need to do. All right. <laughs> I need to give this to you now. I've been talking about specific swords. Let me give you some, some very specific examples now. All right? When the devil comes and says to you, you're not going to be healed. This is not going to work. It's not enough to say, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Listen carefully. He has attacked you with a specific word. You need to come against that specific word by saying, no, I will be healed. Because the Bible says, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. You see, don't leave that thing unanswered. If he says you will not be healed, then you say, I will be. There's your response to that. Now here's the scripture. See, we don't answer back directly. He says, oh, you'll never amount to anything. No, but I'm the workmanship of Jesus. No, no, no. He said you won't amount to anything. You need to reply to that. You say, I will amount to something. You see, you have to come back against that very word. And say, because the word says, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You're a bad work. I'm a good one. <laughs> okay? You can attack him that way too. Alright? But, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Don't let his accusations, his insults, don't let them hang there. You attack them directly back. You use his words. You know, one of the first things you learn when you're answering a question is use the question to answer it. Why don't we do the same thing in the Spirit? If somebody says, you know, what is the significance of this? You say, well, the significance of this is dot, 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 dot. And you answer the question because that was the word that was used. That was what was important. So you need to find the word that was used against you. Isolate it. Turn it back around and send it back. You'll always be in debt. My God says, no, 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 not yet, not yet. I will not be in debt. I've been delivered from debt. Because my God shall supply all of my need according to His riches in glory. You're always going to be single. Oh, hallelujah. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Isn't it funny? All the singles want to get married. All the marriages want to go back to being single. Just be satisfied where you are. And then you'll be satisfied whatever situation you're in. If you're a satisfied single, then you'll be satisfied married. There's a whole marriage seminar just in that statement. That's also all you need to know. <laughs> we'll do more stuff later anyway at some stage. Anyway, listen. He says, you're always going to be single. You need to reply that. You need to say, I will not be 
single. He says that he gives me the desires of my heart. I don't desire to be single. <laughs> now, if you want to be single, hallelujah. And the devil goes, you know, it would be funny, wouldn't it? The devil comes and says, you'll always be single. And, you know, the person wants that. And they go, oh, thank you, Jesus. He goes, wait, wait, what happened? Oh, man, I got my messages messed up again. What is, what is wrong with you devils? You gave me the wrong one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they get it wrong sometimes. So, you know, if you get, and you're happy, be happy. Don't let the devil play mind games with you, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, His Word. His Word says that you will have the desires of your heart. Your desire is not to be single. Well, then, bless God, you're going to be married, but to the right one. We don't want our messy marriages. Amen. Do you get what we're saying here? Are you getting the revelation? From now on, every specific thread, every specific word used against you need to be answered specifically. And add a scripture to it. You need, this has to be scripture backed. But don't just start with the scripture. You start back with what was said to you. And then you just light the fuse. That's your scripture. And throw and duck. Because it's going to go off and it's going to get messy. And all that's going to be left is a little pair of boots with smoke coming out of it. That was the devil. I, we're finished. Okay, we're done. All right. We'll stop there now. Okay. <laughs> Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for this revelation that we are receiving. And we thank you, Father, that we put it to work in our lives. We're not just hearers, we are doers of the work.